0: Now, Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio.
1: Good afternoon and welcome. After all the nastiness, the storm, the drang, the insults and slurs, it all comes down to today. I am speaking, of course, about the U.S. election. If the polls are right... And that is a very big if. The race is very close, and Hillary Clinton has a slim lead. What do you make of it? And how do you think it will affect us here in Canada? We want to hear from you. The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, or toll-free, 740 4740 Does the sheer level of our interest in this election surprise you? And... What is the day after going to look like? We're taking your calls, but right now I am here with Mike Van Solen of Navigator Limited. Welcome and thanks for being here.
2: Great to be here, Libby.
1: Okay, well, um, as we look at uh, it all comes down to today, uh, what are you thinking?
2: Look, I I mean, one, I'm just grateful that the election's almost over. Everybody's out voting today. It has been a... uh, Quite an epic election. Uh, We've seen many things we've never seen before, most principally from Donald Trump. He's a candidate like we've never seen before. Uh, I mean, the shorthand way to say it is he's our, our first reality TV candidate for president. And I think that has bore out in a whole bunch of different ways that are evident to everybody who's watched this. Uh, One, we've seen a candidate who doesn't have a lot of experience. He's made a lot of mistakes that people would say are rookie mistakes in politics. But all the same, here he is. He's behind in the polls, but he's not behind a lot. So it's fascinating to watch it. Uh, The great thing is the American uh, democracy is playing out. They're getting to the polls. They're going to vote. So soon we'll know the result.
1: Well, the way it's often been characterized is that he's appealed to—this is the take—that he has appealed to the worst in the American people, but he's really tapped into something that is very real, and that is that a lot of people, particularly um, white people with a less education, uh, feel that they've been left behind, that they aren't represented, that their concerns are not addressed.
2: Yes. I mean, I think on some hands he has appealed to uh, this nativist instinct that we're seeing. But we're seeing across the the Western world, really. We saw it in the United Kingdom with Brexit. There's a sentiment that people have been left behind by globalization. And while it's easy to say, you know, it's you know, non-college educated white people who are supporting him, uh, their interests should not be dismissed because there is something real in their lives that they feel they have been left behind, that life isn't as good as it was. So... I I think after this election, the Republican Party will probably, if it plays out the way it looks and and Hillary Clinton wins, the Republican Party still, and probably the Democratic Party as well, will need to understand who that group of people is and why they feel so left behind and why, one, so many were interested in Bernie Sanders and what he had to say on the Democratic side, and two, why was there so much interest in what Donald Trump uh, uh, said? What was the appeal that he had? It wasn't a traditional Republican message. but it found some resonance, so I think unpacking that will be really important.
1: Well, the, to me, the the essence of Donald Trump's message is like th- that things are bad, the country's gone wrong, and he is going to fix it.
2: Uh, I mean, yeah. uh, the ego knows no bounds. Yeah. He 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 is he is not an attractive candidate, and I agree. Uh, sort of the hate he's fomented is real. And scary. Uh, I think at the end of the day, Americans will vote for a more optimistic message, which is why I think Hillary is going to prevail on this day. Um, but, you know, there are some lessons and it's always important to look at uh, at how these elections play out. And there's a constituency of people who feel left out. Um, Just look at voting rates over the last, uh, you know, many election cycles, and and they continue to go down. And that should be a concern. It should be a concern uh, for everyone when over 40% of the population decides not to even vote. Uh, that suggests to me that they don't feel efficacy in their vote that government's not listening and it won't make a difference if they vote for one candidate or the other
1: but but apparently in this election, the turnout has gone way up turnout both uh, uh, in that group of less educated white people and hispanics
2: I think we'll see I know the early voting numbers have been really great. Mm-hmm. We saw some uh, in the last two elections with Barack Obama as well we saw some some uh, at least the voting rates stabilizing. We'll see where it ends up at the end of the day. But I'm going to suggest that we're still going to have as many as 40% of people who didn't cast a ballot. And I think thinking about how people participate in, in, in democracy, how people participate on election day is important. And we should, uh, there's a lesson here in Canada as well, we should always think about how do we make sure people, people feel there's value in participating in the process.
1: And uh, there are a couple of things that I just want to touch on before we get to the phones, and uh, we will get to the phones very, very shortly. So, uh, first of all, you know, um, it's very interesting. One of the key indicators for elections are uh, whether people are looking for a change. Yes. And uh, I think in this one, people are looking for a change, and Hillary Clinton does not represent change.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. I, 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 there was a real appetite for change, uh, without a doubt, in the country. Uh, Donald Trump was not the perfect embodiment of it. Uh, there's a whole constituency of people who probably really would have wanted to vote for change, vote for the Republican candidate, but they couldn't bring themselves to do it. I think, I, you know, I think that's what we're going to find at the end of the day. Um, so, you know, and Hillary Clinton was not. For many people, an attractive candidate. She was the establishment candidate. Uh, Trump was very effective in branding her with that in the in the debates, and she represented the status quo at a time when people actually did want change. But it speaks to the weakness of Donald Trump as a candidate that we're in this, and that Hillary's been competitive because I think she would have had a, a very hard time against many of the other uh, potential candidates on the Republican ticket.
1: But I mean, for he he, I mean, look how far. He's come. Look at the millions of people following him. He has no experience. um, And a lot of people think he's odious. (laughs) odious. <laughs> so. yeah.
2: Well, it, I mean, it speaks to the process of, uh, of, of becoming the Republican nominee, that he had those success in the primaries. Uh, he wasn't taken as seriously uh, early in the process as he should have been, which allowed, uh, which allowed him to prevail and, and sort of push his way through. I think the tactics, however, that he used to, to, to earn the nomination have not served him well in the general election. And that's why we are where we are today.
1: Now, one one final question before I go to the phones, folks, sure. getting there in a second, uh, is what about us in Canada? Because those people that feel disenfranchised, that feel that the economy has left them behind, um, they like the message of, of ripping up the trade agreement. And I think that Hillary is listening to that as well. So, uh Does this all bode badly for us here in Canada, given that they're our biggest trading partner?
2: Well, I think it's fair to say a Donald Trump presidency would be more problematic for us than a Hillary Clinton presidency. But even so, through this process, we've seen Hillary Clinton back off the Trans-Pacific Partnership agreement. Uh, I don't think that's where her uh, heart was at a year ago. But through this process, through the support that Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders was tapping into similar sentiments on the Democratic side. so. On the
1: way on the left, yeah.
2: I think we are seeing a retreat from support for trade agreements in in large constituency of people uh, throughout the Western world. That's going to have real implications for an export uh, country like Canada.
1: Okay, let's go to the phones. We've got Bob in Fergus. Hello, Bob. how are you? Fine, how are you?
3: Lovely. It's a beautiful day.
1: Okay. We're listening. Uh,
4: Yep. I just wanted to comment. First of all, about what Jane Brown said this morning. In two weeks, my wife and I will be in the very area that she's in, slightly north of Englewood, though. In Florida. In Florida. In sunny Florida. Uh, And I've been going down there ever since Barack Obama was elected president. And I ride a motorcycle with a group of older white men (laughs) who are very staunch Republican supporters. Now, there's a lot of Republicans in that area of Florida I know older white people retired and not uh, not uh, they are affluent in that area there's a lot of money there so there's a lot of education too and I have it's my experience that the reason that they have latched on to Donald Trump is not because what he's saying because I believe what he said, the man has no concept of the constitutional separation of power uh, in, the, in government, but it's because they hate Obama and Clinton with such passion that they, are, they will be possibly driven to violence. And in a state where a gentleman can shoot somebody else over a dispute about the volume of a car stereo, and be found not guilty of murder. I'm not, and also a state where there is over one million concealed carry weapon permits.
1: Yeah, that's that's another thing. There, it's scary when you have a lot of people saying, "I don't trust Hillary Clinton with my guns." Um, I I know exactly what you're saying. I have friends who spend time in Florida. Uh, one good friend, they they just built a house there, and and uh, sh- I think she's been escaping there because. The people are affluent; they're educated, but but she finds the politics. I mean, the politics in in that part of the world are are extremely um, right wing. I,
2: I think I think one of the more disappointing uh, parts of Donald Trump's candidacy is is he has worked to delegitimize the democratic system. He has said he even as recently as this morning he he's not saying that he will necessarily accept the results of the election and. Any fair-minded person looking at it knows that, well, there may be a little problem at a pull here or a pull there. That is a very sound democratic system. People can have a lot of confidence that their vote matters, that it will be counted. Uh, so his unwillingness to support the process that he chose to be part of is is one of the more disappointing aspects of it. And it's disappointing for the reasons uh, your caller suggests, that there are people who are concerned about the system. And if, if this leads, if this uh, angst that he is uh, these these fans uh, is this, this anger that he is uh, inciting uh Plays out in a in a bad way, uh, in, a, in a in a tragic way. Uh, that'll be disappointing because it is he is tilting at windmills. That is a great uh, democratic system. Uh, it it uh, and and for him to disavow support for the process that he chose to be part of is one of the sadder parts of this election I, cycle. Ag-
1: agree with you, Bob. Before we let you go, do you really think that your um, wealthy Republican friends in Florida really might might. Uh, turn to violence?
4: Not the people that I know personally. Uh, I don't believe that they would be prone to that. But there is a faction down there that would be prone to it quite quite readily. And my wife and I have determined, we spend our winters in Florida, and we have determined that uh, when the discussion turns to politics, we are going to keep our mouth completely shut and not partake whatsoever for our own safety.
1: (laughs) Well, I hope you enjoy yourselves anyway, and and be careful out there. Thanks for your call, Bob. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, we've got Darko in Etobicoke. Hello, Darko.
5: Hello. Yeah, I think it's going to be close. I kind of did two different ones, uh, but my latest one has Hillary Clinton at 273, so I think she'll be in the 270s and i think for trump to win he's got to win either michigan or pennsylvania because i think he will take florida so uh but my, my one of my comments is you know i do think as a canadian the american voting system is you know a bit hideous because not that it's different in every state but within states first of all i don't i don't like electronic voting at all we don't have it here for federal or provincial you know our our voting whether you're in st john's newfoundland or in in victoria bc your ballot basically looks the same. It's not like, you know, whatever, uh, congressional, uh, whatever they call it, has a different way. One has electronic, one has manual, one has whatever, right? You know, we have our, our manual voting system, you have scrutineers. And I, I would say ours is, you know, not that I'm saying America's cheap, but I just think ours is a bit more. With some things like that, when don't forget they have 10 times
1: as many people there.
5: Yeah, no, I understand that. I understand that it's basically the states pick their representatives, yep. to pick the president. But within the state, I think you know you should have a uniform way. And I'm totally against electoral. We know we have it from municipal here in Ontario, but um, which probably is a little less likely you're going to have any issues with it. But like you know, federally or provincially, I think the way we do it with a simple ballot. Now, of course, they've got like you know it's not just you're voting for the president; you're voting for a senator, probably and a, a representative, and then a lot of a number of ballot issues too. But I just think you know like a manual system for me. Like I trust our system, not that one side or the other would be more crooked or whatever, but with scrutineers or whatever, that ours are, would be just a little tighter, a little bit more legitimate for me. I feel more comfortable with it.
1: Okay. Thanks, Darko. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Jerry in Toronto. Hi, Jerry.
3: Hi. Um, so I wanted to, uh, like, you know, we have been following these elections for a long time, and what's in it uh, for us as Canadians, it actually, um, you know, Depends on who gets elected as the president, right? So if if you talk about um, Trump, who's who's a capitalist at uh, you know is, who's a capitalist at the heart, um, if if uh, you know he becomes the president, um, what's what's going to happen for us as Canadians? What we can expect? So you know the first thing that uh, he has been saying a lot since a long time that um, you know he wants to build that wall and stuff, yep, and and uh, he wants to. Uh, they, you know get uh take care of i mean uh, how can I say it he wants to he want he take care of the refugees like take care into inverted commas and stuff. so what it might mean for us as Canadians, the main thing is that um, you know the most important thing would be our economy might be affected a lot so Canadians working in u s or or uh, you know like truckers who mm-hmm. keep going um to u s they, they might, uh, you know, these are the industries that might be affected and these are the people that might be primarily affected. Also, uh, if, if um, the uh, U.S. products being sold in uh, Canada, that uh, those their prices might be expected to increase. Again, I'm not an astrologer. I'm not an economist. This is just a speculation uh, based on, uh, you know, uh, the observations of uh, Donald Trump as a person. So, you know, I mean, if he becomes the president of uh, U.S., he's obviously want to, uh, you know, want to take all the decisions in favor of U.S. And, and I completely understand it. It's not that, uh, you know, he's doing something wrong or he's a moron or anything like that. I mean, he's trying to do whatever's right for his country. Well, That's what I feel. OK. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, even even uh, simple things like maybe, say, a Starbucks coffee, we might expect the price to increase. Oh, I don't uh, I don't the,
1: know about that. Anyway, Jerry, <laughs> thanks for your call.
3: No problem.
1: Uh, So uh, one of the questions is what's going to happen on those uh, down-ballot races? And um, there's speculation that if Donald Trump gets in, actually even his own party uh, would not let him pass some of the legislation that he actually wants.
2: Well, the the nature of government in the United States is there's a real balancing of powers between, of course, the president and then the two houses of Congress. Coming into this election, the Republicans uh, controlled both houses, the House of Representatives and the Senate. It was gridlock. And and it was gridlock. And, and you know, President Obama... he wasn't super successful in working with with the two houses of Congress to pass legislation. He used executive orders to an extent that had sort of never been done in the past. So there's a real question whether and it's funny to say it, but whether when if if uh, Trump. Trump got in or if if Clinton got in, their ability to work with the Congress will be really important. And we'll see we'll see how that sort of balance is protected. Uh, but, uh, it, it it remains to be seen how that will come together i think the republican party though uh, if trump were to get in they would have to come together behind him. Paul Ryan uh, delivered a very important speech yesterday in which he said that he had voted for Trump and offered his support. Uh, of course, he's the the Speaker of the uh, speaker of the House. And so that was an important sort of healing process. I think he had to do that as Speaker of the House for the Republican Party to have any chance of coming together after this election, regardless of the results.
1: Yeah, but, but again, this is all speculation and, and punditry, but people are saying they don't think – Paul Ryan, for example, would uh, support or abet ripping up uh, our free trade agreement.
2: No, I, I don't think that's where his head's at. But I think if – I mean if Trump were successful, the Republican Party has to relook at its whole coalition, the people who support it. The traditional Republican tenants may not apply anymore. Uh, Paul Ryan may have to have a different compass uh, that he follows when making decisions.
1: Okay. Uh, let's go back to the phones. We've got Eleanor in West Hill. Hi, Eleanor.
6: Hello. Beautiful autumn day. Aren't we lucky to have this weather so Oh, long amazing. Indian summer. We're very blessed in this country. I, the thing I think uh, most is uh, with the two candidates to become president of the United States, personally, and this is only my personal feeling, I don't think either one are really worthy. There are so many great young senators in the United States that really love the people of the United States and love the country. It's not a big competition like the man and woman competing instead of of working together, the women's lib and the pantsuits instead of a skirt and a dress on Hillary, competing with the men. and. And the men competing with the women, and it's affected the young children, our youth, are really mixed up. because What you
1: you think you don't think a woman should be a candidate for president?
6: I didn't say that. And I
1: you I, think it, she should wear it, skirts? It
6: depends on the woman. <laughs> if the woman uh loves women and loves men and thinks they should work together instead of fighting and at each other's throats. I well, think I don't think
1: Hillary thinks that, that oh, she I don't should know fight what women. She
6: thinks. I'm not going to comment on that, and I'm not going to comment on what Donald Trump thinks because I'm not in their head and I don't know. People say things, but what they're thinking is a whole other story. Okay, thanks for
1: your call. Okay, thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye.
6: I hope the best person wins.
1: Oh Well, we all hope that. <laughs> thanks a lot. Bye-bye. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay, we've got David in Toronto. Hello, David.
7: Yeah, hi, Libby. How are you?
1: Fine. How are you? Well,
7: uh, not too bad. I don't know how you're going to feel after I say this, but I like Donald Trump.
1: Okay, yeah, lots and of people do.
7: Well, I think the message he's getting out there is uh, resonating. And the oldest globalization swan song has got to come to an end because... The only people that really benefit are elitists and corporations, and everyone forgets. Let's look back in 1965 when Canada and the United States signed the Auto Pact. How was life in North America during that time? You know, obviously there was inflation, recessions, but you know we were humming. Everything was going. Jobs, money, people's income were increasing. Now, I believe it was declared illegal uh, after the fact by the World Trade Body, but that was replaced by nafta but all i'm saying everyone's talking about protectionism and he's saying something that's resonating with people and there's a lot of truth in what he says and a lot of time media i think really misleads the public like as an example you were just saying uh, earlier that uh, only well, I got the impression that the uh, uneducated white males are the only people that are going to vote for him. Well, I don't think that's the case.
1: No, that's but and, they they have they've been identified as no, a major group in his success. That's that's just a fact.
7: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and, and uh, I
1: Donald Trump says, I mean, I I, I understand his appeal, uh, right. but he says a lot of things that are you know just out and out lies. Yeah, well, <laughs> Even more he, than her yeah. lies.
7: Well, don't forget, he, you know, just because he says things doesn't necessarily mean they're going to happen. But uh, I, I'm just saying yeah. that that message about the globalization is really resonating, especially in the Rust Belt, or uh, where, you know, where yes, people you know, are the paper. And one thing that gets me upset when politicians talk about jobs, and they had this thing in, uh, I think it was uh, Rockford, Illinois, and uh, you know they talk about jobs. Well, this one guy was driving a forklift. Well, globalization and blah blah blah. Next thing you know he was making a good wage 24 bucks an hour type of thing and now the only work he can get is a security guard at 850 an hour so they say a job is a job. Well, hang on, what kind of job are you getting? And, you know, just because a person's got a job at 8, 15 hours doesn't mean they're happy.
1: It's you know? all true, but uh, Donald Trump wants to uh, take away right to unionize uh, where people have good wages and, and put in right to work, which means right to work for minimum wage.
2: Right. And, I, and I think the challenge is for, for people who support Donald Trump, what Donald Trump is saying around trade is they still have to step back back and ask themselves a the question. Does he pass the commander in chief test? Is this the guy that we think should be in charge of the largest, uh, largest economy in the world? Can he handle all the other parts that come with the job, the challenges around foreign affairs, uh, dealing with other nations, uh, social security, uh, all these other, health care, um, you know, these are there is, there's a lot to that job. And even if you think he's right on trade, do you think he's the person who could implement that agenda in a way that will help improve the lives of Americans? I think, you know, if there's one thing that economists have by and large agreed agreed about is that increasing trade, uh, removing barriers is of benefit to people. Now, it is very real that people don't feel that, not all people feel they benefited from that. And that's where I say, I think both parties have to sit back and try to understand what that's about. Why do people feel that they've been left out uh, and unpack that? But I'll go back to your caller. Even for those folks who think that this, uh, some of his message is right. Americans have to ask themselves, is this the guy who could navigate that change?
1: Okay. Uh, good question. Uh, I'm going to try to get a few more calls in before we have to go and switch gears. We've got Fred in Brantford. Hi, Fred. Hello. How are you? Fine. How are you?
8: Good. I just have a couple things to say. You keep saying Donald Trump doesn't have the experience. Well, I just want you to look at our country here. The last
1: <laughs> good good point. You make a very good point. <laughs> but right. go we, ahead and make we, it.
8: When we put in Trudeau, he had no experience at all, but we were looking for change. And that's what the people in the states are doing right now. I mean, a, a lot of his deplorables, as Hilly calls them, he's got millions and millions of deplorables, I guess. So define the deplorable to me.
1: Oh, so yeah. Is, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, that was saying that. I mean, he, he's had many things that he shouldn't have said, but that was definitely no, 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 something. No. This was Hillary she, uh, well, exactly. I'm saying he had many of them. That was the one major thing that she said that she shot herself in the foot with—that was well, she exactly. kind of apologized, but but I agree with you. you had no point calling people that.
8: That's right. That was that was the lowest degraded uh, word that she could have used for anybody. But getting back to this, the situation of the change, we just have to look at our country here, and we put a person in there that had no experience in politics at all, and we're going to find out not this down the road. But uh, Trump can't do everything on his own, as your guest said there. He's, he's got advisors, and he's not no stupid man. He's a businessman that's made a lot of money, and he's, he's been up with these here.
1: And so paid, but, paid no federal yeah, tax, yeah. and gone bankrupt how many times? Oh, that's right. But he's and not and back stiffed again, he? small he and up,
8: He just opened up a new hotel again. Yeah,
1: and stiffed a lot of small business people that, that, that did work for him. So that's also people, we should remember. There are the, four
8: people in this town right now that's gone bankrupt, declared bankrupt. And they are back on their feet now doing good. So you have a little setback. But if the guy that can get back up and, and do it, is the, the man you want to back. Not somebody just lays down and dies.
1: Okay, well, that's a good point, too, Fred. Thanks for your call. Okie doke. Bye-bye.
2: It's a, it's a common thing that people talk about in, in politics, how they don't want a career politician. And it, there's, a, there's times I understand that, but there's also times I think it's, it's an odd notion. For example, if somebody worked in a bank for 30 years and eventually became uh, the bank CEO, people wouldn't say, oh, the, you know, he doesn't deserve that job because all he's ever done is work at a bank. Well, experience counts for something. And I'm not going to comment on the, uh, you know, on, on Mr. Trudeau. But I'll just say, in politics, in government, experience counts.
1: Okay. Uh, I th- we're going to take one more call quickly. Uh, Kathy in Niagara Falls. Hi, Kathy.
9: Hi. Um, all I wanted to say is I don't know why people keep blaming uh, the Democrats. Apparently, there's a big thing on the internet. My son's. Uh, Always telling me, oh, the Democrats are bad, blah blah blah. He's Canadian too. I don't know why he even cares. But it seems to me that Bush is the one that screwed up over over there, and now they they're blaming Obama for everything. And and well, he has been in Obama. eight years.
1: <laughs> That's enough to blame him for stuff, you know. But yeah, they do say a lot of uh, things. There 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 are so many untruths uh, flying around in this campaign. It is it is unbelievable.
9: Well, especially on the internet. Some people believe everything that's on that internet, and I think that's the worst thing. These people are reading all this stuff, and they believe every word they, you know, that they read, and, and they all hate Hillary, and they can't stand, uh, they think Trump is going to save them. I ho- in a way, I hope he gets in and he falls on his face, because he's not going to be able to change anything.
1: Uh, well, uh, <laughs> that's an interesting take. Uh, thanks very much for your call, okay. Kathy. Bye-bye. Okay. Now we really have to go and take a break. Um, Mike, just before we go, anything you want to leave us with?
2: Well, I, I think we should all watch with great interest what happens tonight in the election. Uh, no doubt this is one of been one of the most fascinating election cycles we've witnessed, I think for Canada, for our economy, uh, it would be great to see a uh, Clinton uh, presidency. I'm a small-c conservative uh, in this country, but I think uh, with all that's at, at stake, I don't see Mr. Trump as uh, fulfilling the commander-in-chief test. But it'll be fascinating, and we'll, uh, we'll get to talk about it uh, uh, days after and, and try to understand it all.
1: Okay. Mike Solen, thank you so much for that really a fascinating discussion.